In the season 2 finale of the Fanable Solo Shot, Castian Saya finally faces his past and finds himself making an unlikely alliance to secure his future. The rest of the trip to Aldrake 4 passes without incident on the Howling Gundark. As Castian is waiting for them to get close enough to Aldrake 4 to call for clearance, he is just in his room preparing for this battle. And that includes throwing some items into a backpack and making sure that his power pack for his blaster is full. And of course, occasionally testing his lightsaber to make sure it's still working. And can you describe what the lightsaber looks like? As we already mentioned, it has an aquamarine blade, much like the waves of Lama Red. But the hilt is a Shoto hilt, and it's actually not made from metal. It looks like it when you first stare at it, but when you get close enough, you can actually start seeing some of the grain, which marks this as a wooden material. And this is actually Brylark bark, which comes from a Brylark tree, which is known for having bark as tough as metal. So some Jedi in the past actually created their lightsabers using this bark. And that's, of course, what Madonna ended up doing. Uh, the only other material that is on this hilt is a ring at the top of stone, and it looks like granite, just simple granite, but along the edges you see glyphs. And of course, Cassian doesn't know Athorian, but he's guessing those are Athorian glyphs of some sort. Has no idea what they mean. Maybe one day he'll actually try to figure it out. But in the meantime, you have more pressing things to worry about, such as the fate of Cerise Nabella. And as you are finishing packing up this satchel, Laris contacts you from the bridge. Sir, we are approaching the Aldrig sector and have received our clearance to land at the spaceport in Dragera. Is that the same city where Cerise Nabella's office is? It is the same city as her current office is, sir. Current office? Yes, sir. It appears that Cerise Nabella has had a change in her job status since we last met with her. One minute. We can do this face-to-face, -face. and Cassian grabs the backpack, throws it over his shoulder, and then walks to the cockpit where he finds Laris. She got promoted or demoted or what? It appears to be a demotion, sir. Cassian wrinkles his nose before mumbling, of course it is. <clears throat> and what is her title now? She is an assistant to the provincial government. Oh, she must love that. Then fine, we will meet her at this current office. Thank you, Laris. You're welcome, sir. And with that, Cassian's going to turn away and just start walking back towards his quarters. Before you reach the door to the cockpit, Laris says, Sir, I apologize for keeping this information from you. But what you revealed to me earlier, it was not unknown. Castian's going to take a few steps towards her. What do you mean? When I met your replacement in the Inquisitorius, he made some revelations about what led to your departure. Oh. And you still followed me? It was unclear whether he was speaking the truth. I am conflicted about knowing that he did tell the truth, and you did not. Castian lowers his gaze before nodding his head. I see. Well, as I said, I will turn myself in in order to fix whatever mistake- Sir, I would not wish to see you turn yourself in on my account. I am afraid I find myself in an unusual position, sir- I have not experienced such conflict before. And what conflict is that? The conflict between orders and, I suppose, 
The word is feelings. Castian understands that trying to get her to explain that a little bit further would be probably excruciating. It'd be excruciating for him to explain that further. So he just kind of leans against the bulkhead and nods his head. I do not know what will happen on the surface of Aldrig 4. I do not know what will happen after it. But I do know that I do not wish to see harm come to you. But I also know that I am displeased with your actions. I do not know what to do with those feelings. Cassian swallows and looks down before taking a deep breath and saying, Bone, get in here. Bone rolls in. Castian crouches down, opens up a panel, and taps a few things on Bone's side, and a small disc pops out. And if you look at it, it's actually called an ownership module. Bone makes a couple of beeps of protest as he seems to know what you're doing. Castian holds up a hand towards Bone before turning towards Laris. It's not much, but uh, the Howling Gundark is a ship that allows for a person to discover themselves, or maybe rediscover themselves. The Howling Gundark does not require my presence any longer, and Castian holds the disc out towards her. Take it. You now own the Howling Gundark, and Bone and Skitter, I'm sure, will be very happy to join you on your journey. She takes the disc. Bone continues to protest. Castian turns towards him and crouches down before patting him on the dome. You were my only friend when I became an Inquisitor. And now I'm asking you to watch over the only other friend I have. Please go with her and do as she says. And Castian stands up, turns towards Laris. Just drop me off and then fly anywhere you want. You could become a hell of an info chant. Or maybe you can plead your case with the Empire. But whatever it is, thank you for being my friend, Laris. And I hope you find whatever it is out there you want. Bone, please clear up my room for me and leave it in the locker at the shuttle bay. And there's a bag from an army. Gartan, make sure that makes it into the locker as well. Castian is turning on his heels and marching towards the loading elevator. And when we eventually land, he's leaving the Howling Gundark for good. A few minutes later, you feel the Howling Gundark land and the loading ramp lowers. Bone, make sure to send me the locker information before deleting my frequency. And he's marching down the ramp and onto Aldreg 4. When you last visited Aldreg 4, you were visiting the capital city, a rather metropolitan place. Aldreg 4 is, of course, a lush forested world, a jewel of the mid rim, but outside of the capital, it is also home to some heavy industry, the city of Dragera in particular. In Dragera, the planetary governor has ordered the clear-cutting of many of Aldreg 4's ancient forests to make room for at-at production lines to benefit the Imperial Army. The spaceport that you have been instructed to land at is much smaller, of course, than the capital city's spaceport. And while it is somewhat busy, it is not filled with the glitterati and high society people of a capital city. It is filled with workers. The other transports that you see really are more local transports, either for going around the planet or going from Aldreg 4 to making short hops throughout the system to the moon or to asteroids for resource mining. The Howling Gundark is easily the largest and frankly the nicest ship there. 
which says something about the rest of the ships here. Castian. He's wearing a cloth swoop cap, and he kind of lowers the brim in order to avoid any detection from, or some detection from any prying eyes, and he is just making his way towards the office of Cerise Nabella. Cerise Nabella's last office was in a squat brick building next to a very grand piece of architecture. She was obviously adjacent to power. Here in Dragera, her office does lie within the most imposing building in the city, but it's imposing in a dark and drab way. Think of brutalist architecture. It is like a cement cube or an obelisk that looms over the smaller buildings of the city. Castian stops across the street from this building, and he's quickly tossing a glance around. He's looking for a place kind of in the front of the building where he can hide this bag that he has on his shoulder. Yes, you see a couple of options. There is a trash receptacle. There's also what looks like newspaper stands where free periodicals would be distributed, all of which are empty and the glass is shattered. Castian is walking towards the garbage and dropping this bag in there. And then he's just going to keep on walking. He's trying to do this all in one foul swoop. And then he just continues on walking towards the building. And because you are a former Inquisitor, you have enough skill that you can do that without making a roll. Nobody around here is looking at you. And even if they do catch a glimpse of you, they have their own things to worry about. Casting's just going to keep on walking forward. He's going to enter the building just like normal. Of course, he's keeping an eye out for any sign of an imperial presence, stormtroopers hiding, or even just stormtroopers guarding a government building. You do pass security forces. However, they are planetary security rather than stormtroopers. And they're not there to ask you what your business is. They're there to make sure that there's no trouble from the locals. So they actually don't even stop you as you walk in. Right. And so then I'm going to walk in like I have an appointment and I'm going to Cerise Novella's office. You take the elevator up to the sixth floor. When the doors open, you see a bland office setting, absolutely no decoration or personalization in a small reception area. Sitting behind a small, cramped, cluttered desk is Cerise Nabella's familiar secretary, who is in the middle of a frantic hollow call. What do you mean, insufficient funds? I received my paycheck last week. Do you know who I work for? Castian rubs at his brow and mumbles. Right. He forgot he told Laris that. Cassian's just going to walk up to her, still with the brim of his cap down low, and he clears his throat. <clears throat> she just holds up a finger in your face. Cassian's going to give her a minute, because he did cause this, but only a minute. He doesn't have time to spare, so he'll give her a minute. One minute later, she is still talking. She's demanding to speak to their manager. Cassian reaches out and just deactivates the communicator in her hand. She drops the emitter and looks up at you. How Dare you! That was a very important call! She sees in his eyes that he's not someone to be spoken to like that. And he doesn't say anything, he's just staring at her. And she knows he's serious, and she knows he doesn't have time for this. So she needs to make a fear check. I have fearsome too. And she gets just one advantage. So she is shaken, and you see her actually take a physical step backwards. There's not very much room behind her desk, so she bumps into the wall. But to her credit, that's the only weakness that she betrays. When she hits that wall, it's like a physical reminder to pull yourself together, girl. And her face settles back into her look of disgust. I need to speak with Cerise Nabella now. Well, that's unfortunate for you because she's not here. Where is she located? 
I'm not authorized to release that information. Bone, how much money was in Cerise Nabella's secretary's bank account? Really, that much? I need you to start donating. A hundred credits at a time uh, to a chair. Which charity should we donate to? Uh, you don't need the money, do you? Give me a coercion check. If you wish to continue along these lines, that's going to be a coercion check and a corruption. Casting will take it. So this is an easy coercion check. One success, one advantage. Now, there's no need to be hasty. Oh, there's every need to be hasty because I have things to be doing today and you're delaying me. Now, provide me with where she's located and I will make sure that all your money is returned to your bank account. She narrows her eyes as it comes together that you're the reason that her account was drained. And if you call anybody and report me, I will make sure that money is donated to anybody with rebel sympathies so people can assume you are a rebel sympathizer. How far do you think you'll be demoted then? She told me that you were trouble. She told me that you were a rebel sympathizer yourself. You'd probably just use the money to line your own pockets. Yes, I would. Absolutely. And that would be traced back to you. And you would lose your job, but don't worry. I'm sure the prison yard needs a librarian. You seem to match that mold. She told me that you might be coming by and to let you know that she's at the old at-at yards outside the city limits. Ah, see? You're doing your job, and you're doing your job well. He reaches out and pokes her right in the nose, and then just turns away and just starts walking. As he gets in the elevator, she does here. Bone, transfer the money back. When you reach the front door, those planetary security forces, two of them who are flanking the door, they stop you. Sir, we've had a complaint about your conduct inside. Really? I can't imagine that. We're going to need to search you. Yeah, absolutely. And Castian holds up his hands. As they start searching you, one is beginning to do a pat down of your, your torso and your waist. The other is standing guard, observing, making sure that you're not put in an uncomfortable position. What is making you uncomfortable most likely is as you look around, you see that these two security officers are not the only ones on this block. They've obviously been told to be on the lookout for somebody that could cause some serious trouble. As they're starting to pat him down, out of his sleeve, he's going to pull out a small little detonator, and he's looking towards the garbage can in front. Is there anybody around that? No. He's going to click the button and allow for... In that backpack, he uh, actually had wired some explosive. They're not thermal detonators. That would take out quite a bit of things, but they're just small explosives. It'll probably destroy that receptacle that it's in and probably cause some damage around it, but nothing like... It's not taking out any city blocks. A lot of noise, a lot of smoke, things like that. Okay. It goes off. And of course, the two security officers immediately turn towards the source of the explosion. Castian is going to grab one by the head and slam him into the other one. Okay. Give me a cool roll for initiative. I had one success and a triumph. All right. You definitely get the drop on these security forces. Why don't you give me a roll to do narrative combat? And what's the difficulty? Average. Four successes. With four successes, you are going to make it out of this fight unscathed. Castian grabs one of them by the back of the head and slams him into the other one. <clears throat> As that man goes down, he's trying to get to like a stun baton. Castian grabs his hand, kind of twists his wrist, and then 
slams the stun baton into the guy near him. They both go collapsing down to the ground, and Castian is going to pick one up and throw him against the other two people running his way. And then that just leaves two other guards just kind of stopped stunned as they watch Castian just take out four people in within like two seconds. Castian shoots them a look. And they actually do the smart thing, and they just turn around, and they're running down the hall towards where probably a desk is. To call for reinforcements, Cassian is going to be out of this place anyway, so he's just marching out into the street, looks around, and spots a guy on a, a speeder bike driving by, and Cassian's going to reach out, grab the guy, and rip him off. And Cassian's stealing a bike. Okay. Are you trying to get out of here just maximum speed, or are you trying to stealth? Oh, maximum speed. Give me a piloting planetary check. Average difficulty, but with a setback die, because this is not a well-taken-care-of speeder bike. So that's a black. Yes. One success, one advantage. You are able to get out of town. And with that, Castian is just making his way as quickly as possible to the at-at yard. During his trek, Castian reaches under the speeder bike, feels around for something, and then rips out what he thinks could be the tracker. So I'm going to try to use mechanics to make sure no one can track this bike. This is going to be a hard check, again with another setback die, because you're doing this blind. Two successes, two threats. You reach under and you pull something out. And when you look at your hand, you definitely have a tracking device in your hand. Your hand is also covered in oil. You've ripped a fuel line. Uh, Castian tosses the tracker behind him and just just going to drive as long as he can. He's hoping he can make it to the old Adat yards, or as he's going to call it now, the Adat graveyard. But, you know, he, he probably won't have the fuel to get back. So he's just going to try to get there, or as close as possible, mm-hmm. before the fuel runs out. You're able to make it another kilometer or two before your speeder bike begins to lose speed and altitude, shortly starting to just skip over the ground, hitting it over and over until... It's completely lost its forward momentum. You can see probably another kilometer away the skeleton of an at-at looming over some of the remaining trees. Castian's making his way there then. As you approach, you see that the old at-at yards, or the at-at graveyard, is actually an open-air factory line in order to accommodate the large size of the manufactured materials. As you get closer, the trees are of course very sparse because of the clear-cutting that was ordered in order to make room for this manufacturing plant, but it's also been abandoned for a good 10 years, so there are signs of the forest beginning to reclaim the area. Is there a gate? No, there is not. Castian's just going to walk forward then. He's keeping an eye out for any sign of life, or more importantly, for any sign of Cerise Novella. Give me a hard perception check. I'm going to have you upgrade one of those dice to a challenge die. I got one advantage. As you approach the factory floor, you see that there is a deep pit that runs 100 meters through the center of the manufacturing area. The pit's probably 20 meters deep. There's also scaffolding, rusted and overgrown with plants seeking to reclaim the factory from the forest, looming up probably another 50 meters in the air. A rainstorm passed recently, so small waterfalls still drain down from the upper levels. You see the skeleton of that at-at at the far end of the mechanics pit, lacking the armor that at-ats are most known for. And as you approach, you see standing in front of that hulking skeleton, Cerise Nabella, alone. 
Castian hesitates for a second, partially because he absolutely thinks this could be a trap, but also because he doesn't really want to see Cerise again. Last time he saw her, it, it did not end well. But seeing that she called for his help, he's going to take a deep breath, look around again for any sign of the Ninth Sister or whomever took her, and since he doesn't see anything, he's just going to walk to her. When he's a couple meters away, he's going to say, Cerise. Gor... Castian. Castian. Let's out a small chuckle before mumbling. Of course, she'd tell you my name. I got your message, clearly. Clearly. Is this a trap? Just nod your head if it's a trap. She shakes her head no. If you would like to see if she's lying or not, you may roll discipline. All right. What's the difficulty? It's actually going to be two challenge dice. Well, I have good discipline, and that's why I got two successes, one triumph, and one threat. Especially with a triumph, you can tell that she is absolutely lying. But even though she's lying, it didn't prepare you for the lightsaber that appears in her hand and activates. Roll me cool. Uh, with that triumph that I got, can I have a blue dice? Yes. Three successes, one advantage. As soon as the lightsaber activates in Cerise Nabella's hand, the illusion drops, and it is no longer Cerise Nabella standing in front of you, but the ninth sister, who has the illusion force power. And she's going to take a swing at you. You're still a little far away from her, so she gets in a couple of very intimidating swings, forcing you to be off your balance a little bit. She doesn't hit you, but you're going to have a setback die for your next roll. Castian pulls out his own blade, activates it, and Castian's going to take a awkward swipe at her as he stumbles back, his boots slipping in the mud a little bit. Uh, Castian gets one success. That would be eight points of damage. The ninth sister quickly moves her blade in order to parry the worst of your attack. You nick her arm, ultimately, but she's able to push you away. Quite the interesting blade you have there. It's better to stab you with. She clicks her lightsaber hilt again activating the second blade. Oh, that's new. And with that quip ringing in the air, she thrusts ahead with her lightsaber, getting in a stab of her own for seven damage. Castian is able to move his blade in, in such a way that he kind of swipes it upward when it's actually going towards his chest, and much like her, it just nicks his shoulder. Uh, but I am actually going to be able to parry five of that, so I only take two wounds. As she nicks his shoulder, Castian's going to fall backwards onto the ground, slamming onto his back, mud kind of splashing upwards, and he's just going to spin his body and just try to get her legs with his blade. And I just got three advantages. So Castian swipes at her leg. She's able to jump up, but he doesn't hit her. She's going to land and skid back a little bit in the wet and the muck covering the floor of this open air factory, putting her just out of range of hitting you again with her lightsaber. So her action is to take several steps forward, putting you back in range, but she doesn't attack immediately. Instead, she says to you, Such a pity that you were the cause of Cerise Nabella's death. Give me a discipline check, please. Versus two challenge die and a difficulty die. Two reds and a purple. Uh, two successes, but one threat. For a fleeting second, Castian, you absolutely believe that. She has just told you a devastating truth. But just before you fall victim to the agony, it clicks that she's once again trying to mess with your mind using the Force. 
you're going to have a setback die for your next roll as you are overcoming, almost falling for her trick. Castian hesitates for a second as he definitely feels his gut kind of drop. And knowing that he needs to be at his very best in order to beat her, he's just going to do a force leap high and far away from her. He's actually trying to land inside the at-at and he's going to try to hide. So you can do force jump as a maneuver, right? Yes. So you don't need to roll for that. Give me a stealth roll while still adding in your force die to see what force point you generate to do the jump. I'm going to flip one of my destiny points to upgrade this for me. And one of my verses? Hard. One success. No advantages. I have a dark side point and two light side points. Which side of the forest are you tapping into to make this jump? Not only is Casting going to use a one light side point to jump, but I have this crystal, Lala's crystal, that we actually statted out. What it allows me to do is, when making a force power check as part of a combat check, which is, I'm guessing this is part of combat, yeah. I could spend a force die to recover two strain. So I'm going to use one point for the jump and one point for the strain recovery. And you're able to land up in the skeleton of the at-at. And Castian, for now, he's just going to hide, trying to keep an eye on her to see if she's following. And he's just waiting her out. The Night Sister sheathes one half of her lightsaber, so he just has a single blade worrying about as she handles it very casually as she walks around the floor of the factory. Very clever, Castian. But there's only so many places to hide, and I've had much more time to explore this place than you have. Ah, but while you were exploring, I was making some calls. Apparently, we both are on the outs with the Inquisition. Do you really think that they're going to allow you back? Or are they just going to abandon you, like all those people I saw in your mind when I was in the Convergence? No one ever takes you back. Give me another stealth check to make sure she can't pinpoint where you're hiding. This is going to be versus one challenge and two difficulty dice. Two successes, two threats. You see the Ninth Sister's head turn sharply in your direction. She knows roughly where you're hiding, but not exactly. She begins walking closer towards the at-at. Do you really think you can play mind games and win against me, Castian? Oh, I'm smarter than I look. You seem to be forgetting that I hold the trump card, Castian. Your dear friend Cerise. Don't you wonder where she is? Where did you put her? I'm sure she's very comfortable right now. So what is it going to take to let her go unharmed? The Ninth Sister is now standing at the bottom of the at-at. It's difficult to see from the angle you're hiding at, but there's just enough light across the lower portion of her face that you see it break into a smile. Let me make a show of... Good faith, so that you'll feel better about negotiating with me. Cerise, come on out. And Castian, you hear from the cockpit of the AT-AT, somebody moving. And then a moment later, hearing them descend down a ladder of the front leg of the AT-AT. Castian peeks out, curious to see if that's Cerise. It is Cerise climbing down from the AT-AT on her own power. You got in her head, didn't you? It didn't require any tricks. You see, Castian, apparently you aren't a very well-liked person around certain sectors of the galaxy. So when I was going around looking for the few people that you had managed to have some kind of positive influence on, there was only a couple and they were easily dispatched. But then I found my new friend Cerise, and there was no love lost between her and you. Or, and she makes a 
exaggerated sad face. I suppose there was some love lost. Very tragic story. Star-crossed the lovers, as it were. If only you weren't a traitor to the Empire, maybe it could have worked out. Castian bites his lip as he feels those pangs of anger kind of sink through him. He even feels maybe a little throbbing in his hand, but he just kind of shakes it off before raising his voice. Cerise, I would get out of here if I were you. Cerise calls out. You've run from me once, Castian. I'm going to stay to make sure that the job is finished this time. So you were here on your own free will? Correct. You're working with the Ninth Sister? Yes. Then I have no reason to be here. Good luck with your freedom, Ninth Sister. Castian? And Castian is just, he's, he's leaving. He's going to make a run for it. He's not going to stay and fight if they're working together. The greatest bit of revenge against the Ninth Sister is for her to live a long, free life running from the Inquisition. Welcome to freedom. As you're slinking away, you hear a scream of terror from Cerise Nabella. <laughs> no, please, don't kill me! It's enough to get Castian to toss a glance their way. You see the Ninth Sister has moved behind Cerise Nabella. She has her lightsaber out, and it is aimed directly between Cerise's shoulder blades. Castian lets out a snarl and just throws out a hand. Is there any equipment around? Abandoned equipment? Plenty of it. Castian sees like a futuristic version of a jackhammer that's still kind of just laying on the side, heavily rusted and clearly broken, and Castian holds out his hand, picks it up with the force, and just slings it right at the Ninth Sister. Roll it. One success, one triumph, and one threat. Would you like to use that triumph for a critical hit? Instead of using it for a critical hit, can I kind of change the scene as in I want her far away from Cerise Nabella. I want her to fly back. Okay. So Castian hits this woman with five points of damage. She is knocked way back. The ninth sister flies back and you hear a splash as the ninth sister falls into that mechanics pit. Cassian is landing right next to Cerise Nabella and looks towards her and before saying, You have every right to hate me, but she is going to kill you after this. You need to get out of here. Hide. Now. She, she was going to kill me, but, but she said you were the traitor. I said now. I'm going to use Fearsome on her to get her to run. She fails with two threats, in part because she was already terrified of you. So she scrambles back from you, just dragging herself through the mud. She is extremely disheveled, the exact opposite of the very well-put-together, very pretty woman that you saw on Alderaan. She's now just absolutely hit rock bottom. She runs towards some kind of shed that's just beyond the main factory floor. Castian turns his gaze towards the pit, and he's going to walk towards the edge and then jump down. Castian lands in a puddle. Looks around and says into the darkness, I'm here, Ninth Sister. This pit is far enough down that it's almost complete darkness. Really, the only illumination is coming from the aquamarine glow of your lightsaber blade. All physical rolls are going to have a setback die due to the detrimental environment down here. Come now. No hiding from family. Couldn't have said it better myself, the Ninth Sister says, just an instant before her own lightsaber activates, both blades coming out and starting to spin. And she is going to attack. So with three successes and two advantages, she not only hits you first with one blade for nine damage, 
but she has the linked quality on this dual bladed spinning lightsaber and the second blade hits you for another six damage. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to parry the first hit. Castian holds up his blade, parries the first one. She still gets a few hits on him, so that's four. And then he's going to parry the next one. And you said that was six? Yes. So she comes at Castian, he parries the first one, and their blades lock, and she thrusts forward, kind of nicking him against the cheek, causing a very nasty-looking scar. Then she spins and gets him against the calf a little bit. But he's able to parry most of this damage, and he stumbles away, and he's actually going to take a swipe himself as she's kind of left herself open. There's going to be a total of three setback die, one for the environment, one for her armor, one for the defense she gets from her spinning blade. Okay, I got two successes, and I got four advantages out of that. Cassian's going to try to use Sunder on her lightsaber blade. And we've established a house rule. Normally you can't use Sunder against lightsabers, but for these dual-bladed lightsabers, there's precedent in canon to be able to start to whittle them down to a single-bladed lightsaber. Yes, how Obi-Wan cut Maul's double-bladed lightsaber in half and made it a one. Now, you can't sunder a lightsaber down to being useless. You'll always have a one blade. But yeah, Castian's going to hit her for nine points of damage. Of course, you can parry some of that. But then he's going to spin and use four advantages to cut her dual-bladed lightsaber in half. Uh, there's a spark and a sizzle as the spinning blade breaks apart and now she only has one blade in her hand. Since that was kind of a clumsy swing at her, Castian stumbles forward, slams into like a wall, and then spins around to face her, gasping for air and probably clutching at his calf that she cut deep into. You see the ninth sister also stumbles back. Now with only one lightsaber blade, the pit is once again extremely shadowy, so you can't quite see the extent of the damage that you did to her. As you're clutching your calf, you feel something slimy and prickly start crawling up your leg and grab your hand. Cassian take four points of strain damage as a prickly tentacle digs into your calf. Cassian soaks that, but he yelps in pain. What's attacking him? Do I see it? You see a tentacle is still embedded in your calf and just at the edge of where your aquamarine lightsaber illuminates, you see the single eye stalk pop up from the muck at the bottom of the pit and then immediately dive back down. Remembering your time in the underworld of Coruscant, you know that you are down here with a Dianaga. And judging from the size of it, the, the distance between this tentacle and where that eye stalk is, this must be an old one. You see the remaining blade of the Ninth Sister's lightsaber go out suddenly as she lets out a cry in the darkness. Castian is going to try to cut his way out of this thing. Four successes, two threats. You easily slice through the tentacle that is wrapped around your leg, but even when it's not attached to the rest of the Dianaga, that tentacle still has a death grip on your leg, so it's weighing you down a little bit. So you're going to have another setback die the next time you roll. And also Cassian's going to use a maneuver, which is called Second Wind, which he's going to needs he needs to regain some strain. Very nice. Two more tentacles come splashing out of the water. One directed at you, and one directed at the Ninth Sister. The Dianaga rolls three successes and a triumph. And a threat. But with a roll like that, Cassian, as another tentacle wraps around your other calf, it doesn't do a lot of damage to you. It t does four strain damage, which I think you completely soak. However, this tentacle does have another stinger in it, and you're going to have one more difficulty die added to your next check as a critical injury. 
And you can just make out the ninth sister farther down the pit who has her legs pulled out from under her by the tentacle. And she is now going to be disoriented for the rest of the encounter as her critical injury. And it is back to the ninth sister who just lets out a scream of rage and her lightsaber illuminates once again and she just begins hacking and slashing at the Dianaga. With four successes and a triumph, and an advantage, the ninth sister just furiously starts hacking away at these tentacles, compromising the Dianaga as its critical injury, and it's going to have an increased difficulty for all of its attacks. However, you notice that even as she is hacking away at these tentacles, slicing clean through several of them, it's like more just pop up in their place, and she is soon surrounded by tentacles behind her. She doesn't know that they are there. Castine is going to uh, cut off the one that is on his foot right now. Yeah, two successes, one triumph, and one success. Castine cleaves this tentacle off of him. And with that triumph, I would like to say that he also gets rid of the other one that's kind of holding him down. Absolutely. Castian swipes his blade millimeters away from his own skin, almost flailing himself a little bit, and just gets rid of these tentacles on him. And he stumbles back, breathing heavily, and he's shouting, Behind you! Towards the ninth sister. See if she actually believes him or cares. Whether it's hubris, pride, or simply not hearing you over the splashing, the ninth sister doesn't seem to react. At least not in time before the Dianaga gets in its own attack. The tentacles behind her, there's got to be at least six or seven, all swarm her at once, grabbing her arms, one is wrapping around her neck, others are grabbing her legs, and she's being dragged under the murky water. She gasps for air before her head disappears under the water. As she's sinking down and feeling tentacles pulling her deep into that murk, the last thing she sees before the water overcomes her is a smirk from Castian. Castine rolled one success and three advantages. And then she feels something land on top of her chest almost. And here's a sizzling sound as something is starting to cut away at things. And then she feels another tentacle wrap around the back of her neck. But it's not. It's actually Castian kind of hosting her up, trying to pull her away from this mass of tentacles. Is he able to freak her somewhat? Yes. As Castian pulls her away from the tentacles, he's looking around quickly. And actually, Angela, I'm going to spend this destiny point I have. You said this was an old ad ad factory? Yes. Castian sees the outline of, it looks like an underground fuel container that it's poking out now. And he sees the side of it, but he definitely sees like a marking where it would say like flammable. And that is sticking out next to the face of the Dianaga. Sounds good. You feel under the water a current begin as the Dianaga seems to be retracting its tentacles. It doesn't like getting its arms cut off by lightsabers. Mm-hmm. But as those tentacles are all retracting, it's actually creating a current in the water. Castian, I need you to make a coordination check to make sure you're not sucked under by the riptide that the Dianaga is creating. Uh, This is going to be hard. Three difficulty. Three successes, three threats. You're able to keep your balance as the current is ripping at your feet, but you do drop the ninth sister. And you can see her lightsaber fall from her hand. As you've dropped the ninth sister, she is now going to have to make her coordination check. There we go. Two successes and a threat. 
as you drop the ninth sister and she staggers forward, she ends up getting a lungful of this brackish water. She's also able to keep herself standing up, but she's going to have a setback die as she is viciously coughing up this terrible muck. Cassian's going to step behind her and wrap his arms around her waist, and he's actually holding his hand out towards her lightsaber that he sees in the water, activates it, and slings it using the force towards the flammable fuel tanker. So I'm going to use the move the force, so let's see if I can actually do this. Four successes, two advantages, a dark side and a light side. I'm going to use the light side. Okay. It's a strain, and I'm going to flip that point. And as a maneuver, I'm going to be jumping out with the ninth sister using the force jump to get the hell out of this thing. And since I no longer have the ability to use a light side point because I don't have any more destiny points to spend, I have to use a dark side. So yeah, Castian was used the dark side. He doesn't like it, but at this point, he'd rather be a little corrupted than dead. So yeah, I make it. They absolutely are jumping out of this mm -hmm. thing. Now, Castian, it's been a while since you've tapped into the dark side of the force. How does that feel, that this darkness seeping into you, powering your escape possibly with your life? It's a drug. Imagine a heroin addict just getting that first hit after a few months of saying no. It's blissful and it's terrifying. But Castian also has that adrenaline pumping through his system, so it's a weird mixture right now. But it, it does feel good. The camera shows you holding valiantly onto the ninth sister as you leap out of this pit. And then the camera focuses in on that fuel tank, now with just the hilt of a lightsaber visible sticking out of it. And for a moment, nothing happens. It seems that your gamble did not pay off. But then a low rumbling begins, until it builds into a cacophonous explosion. As not only does the fuel tanker explode, but it ignites the entire 100-meter pit. That fuel tank must have been leaking, possibly for years, as the sheen of fuel on top of that murky water all ignites. Castian rolls on the ground of the Ninth Sister, landing someone on top of her. The Ninth Sister is still coughing and hacking as she's trying to regain her breath after getting a lungful of that clearly flammable liquid. And... Her eyes are wide. Like, you see the whites of her eyes all around her irises. She's obviously furious and possibly going mad as she looks around the detritus of this factory, reaches a hand out, and pulls the same move that you did earlier, grabbing a tool chest and pulling it using the force towards both of you, seeking to just knock you down. She rolls one success and four advantages. Five points of strain damage. This rolling tool chest knocks you away from her. It falls on top of you, the drawers all opening, spilling out screwdrivers and wrenches and nails and bits and bobs and gears just clattering on top of you. Castian, with those four advantages, when this thing lands on top of you, it pins your lightsaber hand against your chest. Lucky for you, the lightsaber had been deactivated when you leapt from the pit. This toolcase pins Castian down for a second or two before he tries launching it at her with the force. Oh crap. <laughs> I didn't generate any force. Uh, Castian actually doesn't generate any force to do that, so he just flails on the ground, stuck. The Ninth Sister stands up, and from your point of view, she is silhouetted against a wall of flame. 
This is a supervillain moment if there ever was one. There it is, Castian. I always knew you didn't have it in you to be a member of the Inquisition. You had me beaten. You could have left me in that pit to die either through that beast or through this inferno that you have created. But your weak heart got the better of you and you chose to save me. This is all the proof that I need. I am and always have been a better Inquisitor than you. Yes, but I'm a better bounty hunter, Castian says, as his free hand goes to his hip and he pulls out his blaster. And he's firing a couple shots into her, like a couple sun shots into her. Roll it. One success and a threat. So she takes six points of stun damage. Even with her soak, that takes her down to zero strength. Yes. So just as she's about to continue this monologue, your stun bolts hit her and she collapses to the ground like a ton of bricks. Not into the fire. Cassian's pushing the toolbox off of him. It's fairly heavy and stumbles towards her and he, he picks her up and then he just looks around. What am I looking at? Like, is is it the fire still? Is the fire contained? Is everything fine? Everything is not fine in the AT-AT yard. You have this trench of fire bisecting the place. And then there was that brush beginning to overgrow the scaffolding. Well, that's beginning to catch on fire. So the fire is crawling up the scaffolding, beginning to encompass you on both sides. So you are in a valley of fire. And on top of being in a valley of fire, you stumble for a moment as the ground beneath you unexpectedly shifts. You realize that this fuel tank was underground and you have no idea how large it ultimately was and thus what kind of destabilization you may have caused to the foundation. Okay, a couple things that Cassie needs to do. He is throwing the ninth sister over his shoulder. He looks around and he's looking for where Cerise and Abella went, that shed, and he is running for it as quickly as possible. You know what, he's gonna use the force. Okay, roll me athletics. And this is just a force jump. Five successes, one advantage, and a dark side point. Castian is going to use the dark side. The shed is several meters beyond the at-at yard. It's on the opposite side from where you entered. So it's also on the other side of the at-at skeleton that you had been hiding in at one point. And at the moment, it looks like it's a clear shot. And as you begin to run across the floor of this factory, that at-at skeleton has become destabilized and it slowly falls directly in your path. And as it falls in front of you, it causes an updraft of flame. So the At-At skeleton is now on fire. Castian is using the force to uh, leap over this thing as far as he can, uh, still trying to get to that shed. And you easily clear the At-At and the fire, landing on the other side, running towards the shed. Uh, Castian uh, doesn't even like open the door, he just kicks open the door and looks around, shouting, Cerise! Castian? We need to get going. This place is destabilizing. How can I trust you? Cerise, we don't really have time for this. All I can tell you is I'm here to save you. This one was going to kill you. We need to get out of here right now. I saved your life when you fell in front of the speeder. All I'm asking for you is to let me save your life again. Then you'll be rid of me. I promise. Castian holds out his hand towards her. She takes your hand, Castian. And with that, he's pulling her out of the shed, and they're looking for a place to run. I need to make a perception check, probably, to find an escape route. Do it. This is going to just be an average difficulty check, but I'm going to spend a destiny point to upgrade that so that one die is a challenge die. A failure, but four advantages. Castian, the fire is spreading with alarming speed. 
It's beginning to encircle this entire clearing, spreading into the forest beyond. There is no escape. The only possible salvation that you can see is an old guard tower that's probably another 20 meters from where you are. It looks to be made entirely of metal, so hopefully it's less flammable than anything else in the surrounding area. Castian is pulling Cerise Novella with him. Come on, I know where we can go. And yeah, he's trying to get there as the ground continues to shake. The air is filling with smoke as burning plants and trees are starting to fall right in front of him. He's just trying to drag her there and also keep the ninth sister over his shoulder. As Cerise and you are running, the ground around you splits apart. Plumes of fire shoot up, sending rock and metal into the air. Flaming scaffolding collapses all around you as you grow nearer to the guard tower. I'm going to need one more athletics check. Difficulty is hard. Two successes and one advantage. The ground under both of your feet begins falling into a flaming abyss as you both jump for the guard tower. Cerise and you both slam against the side of the tower, grabbing onto the lone rusted ladder. The tower tilts slightly, and for a second you think it's going to tumble into the pit underneath you. But it stops. For now. Castian lets Cerise climb up first before following up. Uh, the ninth sister still resting on top of his shoulder. And as they are making it to the very top of this ladder, he looks out and just sees there's just fire everywhere. Castian kind of just falls on top of this tower finally, drops the ninth sister at his feet, and looks towards Cerise Nabella. I'm really sorry <laughs> for all of this. I wish I could believe that. I'm not asking you to believe me. I, I don't... I did come back for you, though. That has to mean something. If you were nothing to me, if you were just... If you were something that I was just using... I was just using to get close to somebody, but I got to know you, and... I am so sorry. I care about you a lot. And I know I barely know you, and it seems foolish, but I think you are probably the best thing in this galaxy, and I hurt that, and I'm sorry, and I wish things could have been different. <laughs> She's too overcome by the smoke and coughing herself to come up with a coherent reply. Castian, it feels like the world is beginning to go dark. Whether it's the smoke physically clouding your vision, or the effects of asphyxiation, you're too far gone to be able to tell. But as the smoke is stinging your eyes and you feel them watering, just tears rolling down your face, there's a, a whooshing sound. And for a moment you think it's another updraft of fire and surely the guard tower is about to be consumed. But instead you realize it's the smoke beginning to clear, pushed away by ship engines. And you look up squinting against the heat and the smoke. It's the Howling Gundark. The ramp begins to lower, and you see skittering down the ramp, Skitter himself. Hello, sir. I hope that we have arrived in time. Get out of the way, Castian says, as he throws the Ninth Sister up onto the ramp. Oh, we have guests. Castian takes hold of Cerise Nabella and uses his last bit of energy to use a force jump to get them both on top of this ramp. And I got a light side point and I'm going to use, I'm going to flip my destiny point that I just got back and I'm going to use one of my few last remaining strain. He's dragging Cerise and the ninth sister into the hallway and drops them off and then just collapses onto the ground. Sir, I do not believe that we have guest quarters available. Is Cerise unconscious? Cerise is unconscious. I point towards Cerise. Put that one in my quarters 
and I take hold of the ninth sister, and I'll take this one into the bounty cell. And with that, he's dragging the ninth sister away. To make things quick, he is absolutely sedating the ninth sister, putting her in cuffs, putting her in the bounty cell. And by the time they're leaving the planet's atmosphere, Castina is joining Laris on the bridge. So you're leaving the planet with Cerise still on board? Yes, things need to be discussed. We'll come back. Castian is heading into the cockpit. Laris is sitting at the pilot station, and she looks up as you enter. Sir, I'm glad to see that you are... And then she pauses for a moment, taking in your appearance. Alive. I thought I told you to go off and do the thing that you want to do. I decided that staying near you was what I wanted to do. Castian just lets out a smile, reaches out, and slaps her on the shoulder. Okay, find us a place to hide for a little while. I need to use the bad communicator again. We're going to do a cut swipe. And people, I've already discussed this with Angela, and we agreed on this how it's going to go. The ninth sister wakes up in what looks to be a military cell. Four metal walls, a large imposing blocked door, and nothing else save for the cot she is currently on. She's reaching up and touches the shot collar around her neck before looking around. She spots Castian leaning against the door. He's not dressed as a bounty hunter. Instead, he's wearing an outfit that seems reminiscent of his past. A gray slacks, a simple shirt, and a black cape around his shoulders. The ninth sister looks around. Where am I? What have you done? What have I done? I saved your life. Again. We're really making a habit out of this, ninth sister. Why don't you come closer and try to- Shut your mouth. For once, you are going to be useful to me. You see, for the past year, I have been running from everyone in this galaxy. Rebels, huts, criminals, bounty hunters, the Empire. And now- I am going to use you to get some of that off my back. You were running from the Inquisition just like I, but instead, you decided to bother me. I had made it out. I was living my life, and you almost ruined that. Worse, you made me work with somebody I never thought I would want to ever see again. And with that, Castian's going to the door and opening it. And standing on the other side of the door is a human man. Not dressed in imperial uniform, however. He's dressed in rather careworn clothes. He has tanned skin and shaggy hair and a faint trace of a beard on his chin. It is Jaron, the rebel leader that you last saw as you were running away from him through the conjunction in Lamarad. You wanted an imperial agent? I got you an imperial agent. Which means you and your group never bother me again. Is that clear? Dron looks at you for a moment, considering, glances at the ninth sister, then back to you. And what is to stop me from closing this door, Agent, and having two to help the rebellion? A keen understanding of how bad that idea would be. And we're just going to lock eyes and we're just going to try to do a power move to see who breaks first. This very masculine conflict of wills goes on for a minute until another voice rings out down the hallway. Jaron, let him go. Castian flicks his eyes down the hall. And you see a Nautilin woman standing there. Galnuri Tand. She was the leader of the insurgency on the Trandoshan mining asteroid. 
Castian just kind of gives her a wry look before turning towards Jaron. Jaron breaks eye contact with you to look at Galnuri. This does not involve you. I'm making it involve me, Galnuri says, and she puts a hand on his shoulder. And you see him relax a little bit. Then Galnuri turns to you. You saved my life once. Consider the favor repaid. It is time for you to leave. I couldn't agree more. As you start to step out of the cell, you hear the Ninth Sister call out behind you. Castian. Castian, you can't leave me here. They're going to torture me. You you have a heart now. You have a, a, a soft spot. You're supposed to be the good guy. Castian turns towards her as he backs away from the door. I didn't turn into a good guy, Ninth Sister. Just a better guy. And with that, He's going to walk out away from a screaming woman as the door behind him closes. That's for Lala. Gilnuri Tand leads you through the corridors of this rebel corvette towards the landing bay, with Jaron following behind. A question for you. By all means. How did you know how to contact us? <sighs> You'd be surprised what a professor on Rory is willing to trade for an old mirror. He turns towards her. I'm glad you made it out alive. It is only because of you that I stand here today to help the enemies of your empire. It's not my empire anymore. In truth, they are hunting me down. And once they find out that I did not return her to them, they will probably come at me with full force. They already dedicate much of their forces towards hunting us down, and we're doing all right for ourselves. The invitation still stands. You can join us. I am a liability. But let me give you this, Castian looks towards Duran. Most of the clearances and codes that I know have long been changed. Most of the secrets I know have long been vanished away. But I will give you something that was weird. As Ganuri Tan has probably told you, the Empire had her mining Dunium in the asteroids. The thing she might not have known was the Empire is mining a lot of it. Not only that, but this Dunium, it's vanishing Within the Empire, I even had a Grand Admiral request I retrieve information on the Dunium shipments. I don't think he knows where this Dunium is being used. The Empire is either making a hidden fleet of Star Destroyers, hell, several hidden fleets, or they're building something else. That's all I know. But I bet if you could find the missing shipments of Dunium, you'll find whatever they're building. Jaron and Galnuri tanned share a look, and Galnuri gives a nod, indicating she believes you and this is worth investigating. Thank you. Good luck with your little rebellion. And with that, Castian walks into the docking bay, heads up the ramp to the Howling Gundark, and calls out for Laris. Laris, get us out of here. And as Laris is preparing, uh, Castian is walking into his room. Now, it's been a couple days. Cerise Nabella has been given medical attention, a refresher, even some of Castian's clothing that fit her okay. Castian stops at his door and knocks on the bulkhead. May I come in? Yes. Castian enters. Cerise is standing in the middle of the room. She'd obviously been sitting at the desk, but she stood when you were entering. You do not want to know where we're at right now. <clears throat> Anyways, I... Sorry we took you out on this little adventure. I couldn't go back immediately. I needed to drop off a very troublesome person with people who can handle her. But we are going to be returning to Aldrake 4 immediately and dropping you off. You can't tell anybody about this. What you stumbled into is 
a secret that the Empire will kill for. You went on a, I don't know, romantic getaway or a getaway or whatever it is. You can even say you were kidnapped by huts. I don't care. But you cannot mention me. You cannot mention the Ninth Sister because people will come and they will kill you. She keeps her chin up, looking very proud and defiant. Then, whatever you are, you might as well kill me now. I have nothing left to live for. My career was everything. After what happened on Alderaan, I was demoted, lost every opportunity that had been given to me, and now after disappearing from my post for several days with only a lame story about the huts to tell my supervisors, there's no future for me on Aldrag 4. Might I make a suggestion, then? She inclines her head, willing to listen. Aldrake 4 was holding you back, and I think they convinced you that you couldn't do better. Don't go back to Aldrake 4. Go to Alderaan. Princess Leia, that entire family, they were smitten by you. They thought you were brilliant. You might have to work your way up, sure, but don't go back to Aldrake 4. You would be wasted there. I suppose you're not running a taxi service that could take me there. For you, uh, we could make an exception. She nods in appreciation. Castian nods a sense as I will tell Laris to put in a course. And he's turning and heading out. Why do you care? Castian pauses at the door. Doesn't turn to face her. Why do I care about you? Yes. You're kind. He looks back towards her. It's not poetic. It's not even academic. It's just how it is. I spent my entire life, and I need you to realize that. My entire life, I have only ever seen in the cruelty of sentience. Not you. You are amazing. And when I look at you, I no longer think like a survivor, where I only care if I survive, if I make it in this galaxy. When I look at you, the only one I want to survive is you. Because you will give so much to the galaxy, where all I will do is probably take. And that's something to fight for. And with that, Castian's is going to head out. He goes to the cockpit and says, We're heading to Alderaan. Laris turns to look at you from the pilot seat. Again, sir? Yes, we're dropping her off. Sir, I do believe there is a problem with you ordering us to go to Alderaan. What's that? She holds up the ownership disc. You are not the owner of the Howling Gundark. Castian cannot help but grin. I see. Then how much do I have to pay you? We shall consider this a favor. But I do not give out favors often. Yes, Captain. If I may take advantage of your experience, however. Of course. Will we need to be concerned with Imperial entanglements? Castian turns and looks out the window towards space. Not yet. The camera transitions in a swipe to deep within the Imperial Palace. Tremaine is marching through the corridors, his brow furrowed. He enters a dark room, and we can't see who he's addressing. I have unfortunate news to report from the Inquisitorius. One of our Inquisitors, who we thought dead, has resurfaced very much alive. He was reported dead alongside the Grand Inquisitor, but apparently was using that merely as a cover. What is this agent's name? Castian Saya.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your Podchaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.